Hi, friends. It's Vin Scully. It's time for Dr. Clapper. In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar sinai Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. So much fun. So many callers. The number is 877-710-ESPN, but I better not give out the, the lines, the numbers anymore. Why not? Keep calling. Eventually, I'll get to you. At 8.15, roughly, because I'll already be late, I can tell already, we'll be talking to Jack Gillen from Hawaii. And I knew he'd be my guest to talk about this brand new type of rehab called Wave Chi, these Indian swinging clubs that he discovered. This is an ancient craft to rehabilitate your arms, your shoulders, by swinging these clubs, making them at one with your body, your arms. And it made me think all week. It's fascinating what happens in the world of art, the world of sports, the world of surgery. When you do it and practice 10,000, 15,000, 20,000 times. As a surgeon, those forceps that I use in surgery become an extension of my fingers. I don't even have to think about it. And in the world of sports, when you stop thinking about the basketballs on the end of your fingers... You think of Pete Maravich. Magic Johnson learned how to do that. No look pass from this man. You'll hear Bill Walton talk about how great Pete Maravich was. Single-handedly, he was one man against five. Basketball's a team. Not when you're Pete Maravich and you're playing on a terrible team in New Orleans. Bill Walton... Big shot with the Portland Trailblazers figures he's going to go down there to this un- this team that hasn't won a game. But they just got a brand new player. And his name is Pete Maravich. And he beats the Portland Trailblazers single-handedly because he and his fingers have a basketball as an extension of his body. Listen to Bill Walton talk about the greatness of Pete Maravich. I can remember when Pete got traded from Atlanta, where he started his career, over to New Orleans when the team went down there in his expansion team. And, 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 and they had never won a game. They were 0-14, and they were like the worst team in the league. And Otto Moore was the center, and they couldn't do anything. But Pete was just lighting them up. And the Portland Trailblazers, we go in there. We had, we had a team, and it was not the championship team, but we had a good enough team. And we were pounding them early, way up at halftime. And Pete, in the second half, just takes over. And he goes absolutely wild. He's playing one against five, and he's up and down the court, shooting jumpers, hooks, full court behind the back passes, through guys' legs, he's just everything. And at the very last play of the game, we're up one, and Pete dribbles up, 
four of our guys go chase him because they know he's not going to pass it, <laughs> and he's falling out of bounds, and he shoots it as he's tumbling over the row of fans in the corner. Literally. And I am standing underneath the basket waiting for the last rebound of the game. We're going to win the game, and they're not going to win a game ever, the New Orleans Jazz, and the ball swishes perfectly through the net. He's unbelievable. He still holds the record for the most points scored by a college student, NCAA. But it's because of his practicing, making that basketball part of his hand. Listen to him dribbling and then listen to Red Auerbach going, when I watch you dribble, it's as though the ball becomes an extension of your hand. You're looking at Pistol Pete Maravich, in my opinion, the greatest playmaker playing today. A great passer, great shooter. But a lot of people don't know this. He is wonderful in all these dexterity drills. And listen to what happens in your life and how you make yourself at one with your craft. The ball becomes an extension of you. Now, Pete, when did you start all this? comes out of a system I started around six or seven years of age, what we call homework basketball, and takes in reaction drills, quickness drills to improve your quickness, your coordination, your confidence, and your overall ability to handle a basketball. Well, actually, don't you get the feeling that when you're doing these things, the ball becomes sort of an extension of your hand? Exactly. That's exactly how I felt uh, when I was growing up. I dribbled so much, so many different ways. Uh, learning new types of drills to dribble with one ball, with two balls, and so forth, that uh, I never really had to look at the basketball when I dribbled it, which improved my game from a great standpoint. You get to greater heights in your life when you take your craft, no matter what you do for a living, to a level where it becomes an extension of you. In sports, it's Pete Maravich and the basketball, an extension of his hand. In art, in music, it's this woman. Listen to her singing without words. That is the great Ella Fitzgerald. Ella Fitzgerald changed her voice, changed her style to sing that way called scat because of the changes in jazz and realized if I just still singing songs with words, it gets you only so far. To get to the next level of life, you become at one with your craft. You become an instrument. Make your voice one of the instruments. Make it a horn that's in the band. The way she improvises, she has the knowledge of a horn player. She's like, She's like an instrument. She did it immensely. Oh, and she could go on forever and ever and ever and ever, scatting herself away with, with all the musicians on stage. She's taking a solo. She's one of the horns. Just something that Charlie Parker might, might, might have dreamed of. But I want you to listen and learn about Ella Fitzgerald's life, of how it didn't just, she woke up one day. Pete Maravich didn't just wake up one day and say, I can do this. You got to work at it. And when you work at it, it then becomes worth it. 
Although in the eye of Harlem's jazz hurricane, Ella was homeless, sleeping on the street. For money, she'd sing and dance on corners. I like to dance with people because everybody thought I was a good dancer. I got the chance to get a little more money from what I was making, which was nothing at that time. Ten cents a dance. That's what they pay me. Ella Fitzgerald's dad died when she was one year old, and her mom died when she was 15. They sent her to an orphanage. She hated it. They abused her. She ran away and ran back to Harlem, living on the streets, dancing. Never even thought about singing, but dancing. Seeking a way out of street life, in November 1934, Ella was one of the hopefuls of the Harlem Apollo amateur night. I really went on to try to be a dancer. That's how I went on an amateur contest. But uh, when I got on the stage and I saw all these people, I lost my nerve. She was going to get on the stage and dance. And Ella was the first one that, was, that they called. And she got out on the stage, and she was scared to death. She froze because she saw the other acts were going to dance also, and it intimidated her. She thought, hey, they look better than I am. She gets out on the stage in front of the mic and freezes. And she then, maybe a bolt of lightning came through, an angel from above, and said, Ella, sing, don't dance. She didn't know what to do, and... Somebody said, what are you going to do? What's she going to do? And she started singing. When his eyes say yes, and you're wrong in your guess, that's Judy, my Judy. That time, I didn't even know one key from the other. I just sang. Mm. And I won first prize. Then I went back trying to win more amateur contests. And then she gets discovered by a dance band who says we could use a singer. We were a dance act, but we happened to be an extraordinary dance act. But who was the band? The band was Chick Webb. He was the king of swing. He was mean. I had to dance in front of his drums, and he threatened me. You touch my drums, and you... To me, he was a general pain in the ass. <laughs> But we found out why he was testy, because he was always in pain. Because he had tuberculosis of his spine, better known as Pott's disease. And but in those days, there was no cure, so young people died of it, and so did Chick Webb. He's had tuberculosis of the spine since birth. But he obviously was exceedingly ambitious. He perhaps saw the addition of vocalists to his band as an avenue of expanding his domain to Eclipse being the best-known band at the Savoy Ballroom to one of the best-known bands, period. One of the members of Chick's band, Bardu Ally, had heard about Ella. Because he was there at that Apollo theater for the amateur night. And she's standing in the wings with some boy shoes on, eating a hot dog. And I said to her, I says, uh, I heard you sing last week, and uh, I told Mr. Webb about you. So I said, I, come on, I want to take you upstairs so he can hear you. So finally, when she sang, you could hear a pin drop in the room, because she sings just like a horn. Sings like a horn. Chick Webb hired Ella. She was unprepared for show business in every other sense but being able to sing like that. Singing like a horn. 
but she was a teenager. She wasn't 20 years old yet. Sing me a swing song and let me dance. Very shy, but get on the stage and she she blossomed. Mr. Trombone, play some corn. I ain't caring what notes. Mr. Trumpet, grab a horn. Brother, give me hot notes. There was no such thing as I'm not winning over an audience. Bright and yellow. The lines got longer and longer waiting to get into the theater. But then tragedy strikes again for poor Ella Fitzgerald. She loses the man who's now brought her to show business. And in August 1939, he died. For Ella, who'd suffered so much loss in her life already, it was as though she'd been orphaned again. They had a very close bond thing there together, yeah. When he died, he told them, take care of Ella. The devil was in your heart, but heaven was in your eyes. The night that you told me those little white lies. She realizes she's going to have to do something because the world of jazz is changing. And then jazz was hit by this colossal musical revolution of the 1940s, the bebop revolution, of which the architects were, were uh, Charlie Parker, Dizzy Gillespie, Thelonious Monk. Uh, and this was almost willfully an attempt to make jazz more difficult than it had been before. Ella was in the right place at the right time. And when she toured with Dizzy Gillespie's group, it was a, a golden opportunity. She was musically sophisticated enough to understand how bop worked. But she could also take advantage of a quality in Gillespie that in a way had been a little like the quality of Chick Webb too which was that Gillespie was an inspired showman. He sugared the pill of it. Ella soaked up everything she heard. Ella soaked up everything she heard and fashioned her own way of joining in. Wordless scat singing. It will become a highlight of her performances for the rest of her life. Her ability to elasticize time and be playful with it at any speed is something that she always was able to do. Adding some rhythmic design to it of spectacular nature, that's very fetching. Ella Fitzgerald with her voice, an extension of the band, scat singing. Pete Maravich, dribbling one basketball, two basketballs since he's six years old so that he doesn't even have to look down. It's That ball's an extension of his fingers. As a surgeon, the tools I use to hold after 16,000 surgeries, 32 years. Weird food. Village pizzeria, the calzone. Turn your hand palms up. And that's what it looks like. You want food that's an extension of your hand? Village Pizzeria Calzone. And get the dipping sauce. But coming up next, we're going to talk about what inspired me to go this route, this topic. Calling in from Kona, Hawaii, Jack Gillen's going to talk about those Indian swinging clubs. Those clubs that become an extension of your arms that allow you to rehabilitate a shoulder. Fascinating. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. 
Check out the Weekend Warrior Facebook Know Your Knee Post. One of the most complicated areas of the body. ACL, PCL, MCL, patella supplication. Really? Dr. Clapper translates the language of your knee on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Simply type in Weekend Warrior in the search bar and click on Doc's picture. Wow! Your knee feels better already. Damn right. Like, follow, and feel better Hello there. with the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Hey, it's Mace. You know, there is no better way to start your Saturday than with Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. And don't miss Mason in Ireland back Monday at 1 on 710 ESPN. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. You know Conductor Hennessy, don't you? Inspector. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Inspector. Inspector yourself. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors, or I should say aloha. I'm so excited to talk to my next guest, Jack Gillen. Jack, thanks so much for really getting up early, calling in from Hawaii. <laughs> my pleasure, my pleasure. We have to thank, thank you for having me. My pleasure. We have to thank Mark Stewart, who introduced me to this whole concept. That's right. And That's uh, right. it's a beautiful thing to change the world, and you're you're doing it. You didn't invent it, you discovered it. And I think it's fantastic. As an orthopedic surgeon who sees 100 patients a week, and I do my best to keep people out of the operating room, but I'd be lying if I didn't tell you how much I love being a surgeon. What a great way to rehabilitate even after surgery. So tell us about your journey. First of all, who are you, Jack? Where'd you grow up? What'd your father do for a living? And how the hell did this happen to you that you discovered Indian swinging clubs? Okay, that's a lot, a lot there uh, to answer right away. But uh, hey, I grew up in Ohio. Uh, was on the swim team. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't do great with uh, grade point average. Mm-hmm. And ended up in Hawaii at 18 years old in Honolulu mm-hmm. and started uh, body surfing. Mm-hmm. And that led to uh, you know stand up paddling and and just it went from there. What part of Ohio? Uh, I found uh, Cincinnati. All right, so you know the secret yep. ingredients for that chi- for that chili, and you know what? Right, the Greater, chili. Grater's ice cream. You also had that, right, when you were growing up. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but there's nothing. Yeah. There's nothing like a malasada from Leonard's Bakery in Honolulu, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. So. That's for sure. So you, what kind yes. of work did you do in Honolulu while you were body surfing? I was actually teaching scuba diving. Oh wow! Did you have so any injuries old, yourself? Scuba diving. Yeah, and living the dream. Did you have any injuries yourself? Uh, yeah, so I had a sore shoulder from playing water polo in high school. Mm-hmm. My favorite shot was the skip shot off the water, but mm-hmm. you have to generate so much torque that it kind of stretched my shoulder and had possibly some tears. But anyway, it was I was still able to swim and paddle mm-hmm. uh, like six-man canoe and one-man canoe mm-hmm. and win swim races and things like that, but it was always sore and tender. And always uh, kind of bugging me, mm-hmm. but um, but my story real quick too about the uh, Indian clubs. I first learned about it when I had gotten back from 
the Bahamas where I got certified as a yoga instructor mm. in 1984. Wow. I got back to the big island and a friend of mine had started a bottled water company and needed some help. So I got really interested in bottled water. So I was reading a book called Bottled Waters of the World. Mm. And it said the reason the Perrier bottle is shaped like it is, is the owner of the Perrier company was in an automobile accident and rehabilitated his body by using Indian clubs. Ah! So I was like 24, 25 at the time and got excited. And I said, hey, that sounds cool. I want a pair of those. But it's hard to imagine now. That was before the Internet. So I couldn't just go online and order a pair. Hmm. So 23 years went by. It was 2008. And I did see a pair online. And I said, oh, there's those things. And originally I thought it was American Indian, but found out it was Eastern Indian. So I ordered a pair. Uh, It was... um, uh, and it came with a DVD from an American doctor, Ed Thomas. Hmm. So I taught myself from his DVD and healed my shoulder in a week. Wow. I was like, how, first of all, how's that even possible to be sore for 30 years and to be better in a week? <laughs> yeah. I, I just couldn't believe it. So, oh. I, of course, I start talking to my friends about it who are all paddlers and surfers. And that they're like, hey, yeah, my shoulder's better, too. And then I started hearing feedback like, hey, my golf swing is better. In fact, I hit the golf ball 25 yards further. Hmm. Or a friend of mine who plays a lot of tennis introduced his golf partner, which is who was a teaching pro out here at Hualai Resort in Kona. And he said it improved his game overall 20%. Hmm. So that's the kind of feedback I started getting after uh, first introducing the, the Indian clubs so, to friends. So now that you've been using it, do you actually feel like Pete Maravich with a basketball that it becomes an extension of your hand or my I Ella really Fitzgerald do. where she becomes a, yeah. another instrument in the band? Do you, after all these years of you doing it, do you actually start to feel that way? I really do. I really do. And, and not just the hand-eye coordination, but the brain part too, because it is indeed a brain exercise mm. because of the crossing patterns mm. and the figure eights it actually makes neural connections between the two hemispheres of the brain. Hmm. So it can increase focus, concentration, I I think even possibly uh, creativity and imagination, things like that, Hmm. by stimulating the neural connections. So have you, being a teacher, do you have a student that you watch the student use them and they did something where you corrected them and then all of a sudden you realize, you know what, Maybe they're on to something. How much learning have you gotten from being a teacher? Oh, yeah, that's, that's an interesting question because I, I do get feedback. For example, um, you know, I'm focused mainly on shoulder rehabilitation mm-hmm. uh, with the clubs, uh, frozen shoulder, limited range of motion, things like that, but also sports performance, um, hitting the golf ball further, uh, swimming, paddling, things like that. But also um, a friend of mine who has a stressful job uses it for anxiety. Hmm. If he starts getting caught up and getting too busy and overwhelmed, he'll use them because it's very relaxing hmm. and very fun and goes great to music. So it's, it's kind of benefits like that that continue to grow. I want you to listen to a soundbite, and it almost sounds musical because of the rhythm. And then I want you mm. to tell me if this is something applicable to using the swinging clubs proper, pro- properly as a rhythm. So listen to Pete Maravich bouncing 
a basketball. Okay. You're looking at Pistol Pete Maravich, in my opinion, the greatest playmaker playing today. A great passer, great shooter, but a lot of people don't know this. He is wonderful in all these dexterity drills. Do you find that you eventually get a rhythm when you do it right? Is that what you aspire to when you have... Eat one in your right hand, one in your left hand. Even though there's a dominance to the upper extremity, is it difficult to make it rhythmic like you hear Pete Maravich bouncing a ball? Great question. Actually, uh, you, you mentioned a couple things, rhythm and dexterity. Mm-hmm. A rhythm is really important. That's why it's so good for the golf swing mm-hmm. because, as we know, golfing is all about rhythm and tempo and timing, and the Indian clubs improve all of those. But back to dexterity, uh, a, a side benefit, um, a, a lo- along with the long list of benefits, is you become ambidextrous hmm. as a result of using the Indian clubs. It forces so, you to be symmetrical, right hand and exactly, left hand. Exactly, balanced body. And I think that's where the fitness industry is, will be heading. Because do you ever hear anyone talking about ambidexterity as a fitness goal? Hmm. No, not, not really. They talk about everything else these these days, but if you think about it, say for swimming, uh, paddling, surfing, to become ambidextrous, or even take volleyball. Say say if you had a a star player, whether it was high school or college, and say say he's a righty, and through the use of Indian clubs over like say a summer, which could happen easily, he becomes ambidextrous and goes up to spike it right-handed and then spikes it left-handed. Could you imagine the coaches that are keying on them, flipping through their, their charts, going, wait a minute, when did he become ambidextrous? Hmm. Interesting. Right? And then it, it, could, it could happen that quickly, over, over a, a month or two, right, over a summer. Tell can us, you imagine? Jack, that, tell how us. Do you defend, how do you defend that? That's how do you amazing. defend that all of a sudden? Now they can swing with both hands. Tell us a little bit about the history. It's in America 100 years ago. It's in the 1932 Olympics. Tell us a little bit about the history of these swinging clubs. Yeah, so from what I understand, when uh, the British went to India, mm-hmm. they noticed the, uh, the police and the military using them for training. So then it went from India to Britain, hmm. and then, of course, from Britain to England. Um, I'm sorry, to uh, uh, to America. So that's, I think, like the 1860s, 1870s. Mm-hmm. And then it started growing in, uh, popularity there and then just continued to grow. So it was in like boxing gyms and mm-hmm. uh, schools um, and, all, of course, all gymnasiums. So it was like mainstream fitness back then. Jack, what and, you're, you're just such a fascinating guy. I, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to take me back. <laughs> To the moment that a kid, a white guy in Cincinnati, Ohio, decides I'm moving. <laughs> At what age was this, by the way? How old were you? So I was 18. Well, you're 18 years old. You're, you're yep. in your room and a light bulb goes off in your head and you go, that's it. I'm moving to Hawaii. Yeah. What yeah, happened? Keep it. Keep in mind, with a 1.7 grade average, my <laughs> options were limited. <laughs> so much for the scoring so, systems. Thank you. 
Yeah, right. And so, but anyway, uh, one of my best friends who actually did get good grades was attending UH Manoa mm-hmm. in Honolulu. Mm-hmm. And his older brother had already graduated from college mm-hmm. and was teaching scuba diving to tourists in Honolulu. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like um, we just a, a shallow water, mm-hmm. like uh, adventure, a little uh, tour, you know, tour. Mm-hmm. And so he said, hey, my brother needs a helper. Uh, and he wants to hire somebody he knows. Would you be interested in working with him? And I'm like, hang, I'm like, hang on a second. Let me look outside. And of course, the winter, January, right? January in in Cincinnati is not like January in Vail, Colorado. Like, isn't life like, amazing? Like okay. an angel from above came down exactly, and exactly. shot you like, in okay, the chest me... with an Indian swinging club and said, come on, let's go to Hawaii. <laughs> right. And so I'm like, I tell Art, my friend, I go, hey, let me let me think it over. OK, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, that was all was a single three... sentence. <laughs> let me think yeah, it over. Exactly. I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It didn't take much liberation. Uh, God bless you. And Listen. so uh, three days later came out. Of course, it's beautiful weather, and I look at my friend. We're, we're, I see the ocean for the fir- the Pacific for the first time, and I told my friend, "I am never leaving." <laughs> How can people and, learn and about Wave 40, Chi? 43, that was forty three years. Yeah, ago. it's unbelievable. An unbelievable story. Yeah. You're like yeah. I could talk yeah. to you for hours. It's just, and people really, yeah, you. you can feel Thank your aloha in your voice, Thank you. and Thank you you're a Thank good you. person. You're trying to do uh, good thanks. for people, and. And that's part of probably what happens. And I want people to learn about you, to watch your videos and learn all about Wave Cheese. So tell the listeners, how do they learn more about this beautiful happenstance that now may change the way people exercise and rehabilitate? How do they learn more about Wave Chi? Yeah, so I have uh, my website, wavechihawaii.com, mm-hmm. and have some videos up there. Mm-hmm. And what I've done and what's so special about the Wave Chi method is I've, it's a combination of one particular move of the Indian club swinging because mm-hmm. there, there's many movements mm-hmm. and, of course, unlimited variations from those movements. Mm-hmm. So I've, what I've done is selected just one because it is a martial art. The Indian club swinging is a martial art as well as a brain exercise. Mm-hmm. So what I've done is taken one movement called the heart shape, and it describes what it looks like, the heart shape, like a Valentine's Day heart. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I've taken just one, and then I've taken one of the three planes of movement, human movement. Uh, There's actually three of them. It's called the frontal plane. The other two are sagittal and transverse. Mm -hmm. So I've combined the heart shape with the frontal plane, but the key is slow motion, Mm. because you don't need to go fast with the Indian clubs to get benefits. So if you go slow, I call it Tai Chi slow, mm-hmm. you can get all the benefits, but slow is safe. Mm-hmm. So you can do it around your pets or your kids or furniture. In fact, it's great for office workers. They can stop what they're doing, use it for less than five minutes, get benefits for their brain and their posture and their shoulder. Jack, I'm as, calling it the uh, I'm calling it the new coffee break. I got a better title for it as an inside joke. You should call it Lesson 1.7 to commemorate your grade point average. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing that down. I'm writing it down right now. I like it. I Listen, like it. I want to thank you so much for getting up early. You can feel the passion in your voice. 
People will be so attracted to this. And whatever I can do to help you, you, let me know. Mahalo. As we say, mahalo. Mahalo. God bless you and aloha and uh, really a treat. And please say hi to Mark Stewart for me. Will do. Will do. Thank you so much, Dr. Clapper. I really appreciate the opportunity. You're very welcome. God bless you. Changed the world in L.A. Just made it a little bit better today because of talking to you. I really appreciate it. All right. Warriors, take a break. Coming up next, the lines are all lit up. We'll take some calls. The number is 877-710-ESPN. And I'm talking about extending your life by extending that basketball in your hand as an extension of you. When your craft becomes an extension of you, whether it's Ella Fitzgerald with her voice, Pete Maravich with a basketball, or for me, a calzone. In food is an extension of my hand. Village Pizzeria in Larchmont here in L.A. That's where you go. Tell Steve Cohn Dr. Clapper sent you. Coming up next, we'll do some Clapper vision. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. Miss an interview or Doc's weekly story? Check it out on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Also, Doc's advice to callers on their aches and pains. Just type Weekend Warrior in the Facebook search bar, and you'll see Doc's picture in the listings. And thanks for checking out the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Sedano, you know there's no better way to start your Saturday than when my guy, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m., Saturday mornings. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. I'm too much scheidenfreuding. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN. 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Your paradise on earth. That's Hawaii. You got that right, Zach. But paradise on earth right now is two hours from 7 to 9 every Saturday morning here on the Weekend Warrior Show. Where else are you going to hear Ella Fitzgerald, Pete Maravich, and me talking about my favorite calzone? Don't forget to ask for the meatball and marinara sauce at Village Pizzeria in Larchmont. Mmm! Like heaven on earth. Paradise on earth. Sticking a calzone in your mouth. Dipping it in that marinara sauce. My mouth is watering already. The hell yeah. But you gotta go to Village Pizzeria. Don't go anyplace else because I've done my research. That's the best one. Perfect. All right, the number's 877-710-ESPN. I got to talk about Derek Henry with some Clapper vision. I got to take you into the operating room. I did surgery this week on a young person's hip because of what's known as dysplasia. And I'll explain what that is and what I had to do as a sculptor, basically, to sculpt in their pelvis a hemisphere to make a new socket. But the lines are all lit up, so I'm going to take some calls. Let's go to, who do you want me to take first? Tom in Santa Clarita, you're on with Dr. Clapper. Thanks so much for calling. Dr. Clapper, how you doing? Um, my name's Tom. I'm 47 years old. I'm an auto mechanic and a studio guitar player, part-time. Oh, uh, I love you already. 
You use your hands to make a living. You're a mechanic. You know what an intake manifold really means? Because I built a visible V8 engine, so I'm a big shot. Jewish people don't become car (laughs) mechanics. We just build visible V8 engines and think. And here I am, a little kid. I got the kit that from a hobby store. I was so excited. I built my visible with like 500 different pieces and parts, and I'm done. And I connect the battery. And all of a sudden, I realized there's like 10 pieces from the box that somehow did not make it into the model I just built. This is what happens with a Jewish person. Yeah, that could be a problem. So thankfully, (laughs) you are in charge of fixing cars, which I very much appreciate. But also for you to see the connection with music and a guitar, you're bringing science and art together every day for you. I love this, Tom. So where did you grow up? What high school? What your father do for a living? Who are you? Uh, okay, I live in Santa Clarita. I've been here since uh, 1984. Um, my dad, surprise, surprise, is a mechanic as well. Wow. Um, although he was not a musician. Um, oh. That was something I picked up. So I've been playing guitar for about 30 years now. And I uh, have a home studio in my house and do a lot of studio stuff and do projects for people. I love it. Now, Tom, I, I, I have a 60, I have a 63 Corvette Stingray convertible. It's, there's nothing the matter with it. It's fantastic. But who, are you able to fix my 63 Corvette if I need it? Can you do normal maintenance on my 63 Corvette? Yeah, stuff like that's easy compared to what we deal with today. Oh my God! Well, you're so easy. You're gonna, you and I are gonna have to touch base one day. I mean, I'll, I'll trade, I'll trade orthopedic knowledge for some '63 Corvette knowledge. How's that? Sounds good. <laughs> All right. How can good. I help I you? What you do to week. yourself? Okay, so I had rotator cuff surgery uh, one year ago in September, and I had complications. Uh-oh. And at one point, when I was doing therapy, I felt and heard a snap in my shoulder. Mm. And my bicep looked funny. So I finally got multiple MRIs, and it showed poor visibility of the bicep long head Mm -hmm. and uh, the labrum of slap four tear, Mm -hmm. and the rotator cuff showed that it's thin. Mm -hmm. I am going into surgery Monday morning. The the surgeon told me, um, I don't really have questions about the rotator, but he told me that most surgeons would not attempt to fix that bicep long head and that it's mostly cosmetic. And that sounded a little bit weird to me, and I wanted to see what Dr. Clapper thought. So what I this is what I hate about medicine. Everyone wants to take your appendix out. By the way, my wife always says I never answer the question, so I'm going to do my best to answer the question because right away you're asking me about your shoulder, and here I am talking about your appendix. But right away they tell you you can have your appendix removed. Right? I grew up, I'm a surgeon. That's what people do for a living. You got a bellyache, oh, you have appendicitis, they take your appendix out because it's bad if it ruptures. I mean, it's not like you shouldn't be doing it. But it's always been treated, the appendix, like you don't need it, like your tonsils. You know, they can't wait to take your tonsils out. The reality is, is the very important bacteria, you know how people take probiotics, they literally eat bacteria or encourage you to eat yogurt so that you have good bacteria in your gut. Well, guess where the the majority of those bacteria like to live, their stem cells? They live in your appendix. It's actually a very important part of your gut. And you want to do your best, if you have appendicitis, to actually treat the patient first with antibiotics rather than do surgery. Now, sometimes you, have, you, you don't have a choice, and you need a general surgeon to do an appendectomy. I get it. But I always hated when when... A human being, a surgeon, 
would dismiss the value of something that is in our body. You know what I mean? Like, okay, take your tonsils out. No big deal. Take your appendix out. No, you actually have these things, organs, body parts, for a reason. And to dismiss it that way is wrong. So your surgeon is absolutely correct. We are taught in orthopedic surgery, and I go to shoulder meetings all the time. I mean, to keep current with my license and my board certification, you have to do CME, continuous medical education. And every and I love shoulder surgery, and I love shoulders and how it works. Every one of these meetings I go to, they are all about how to whack your biceps tendon and Tina Dees it and fuse it and this and that, as if you don't need it. Listen, it's in your body for a reason. God gave us by means two, sep means head. This is a two-headed muscle for a reason. Now, it's true. If you tear it and it's damaged, what are your alternatives? Do you fuse it? Do you just let it flail and have a Popeye-looking arm? There are many people who do great things. John Elway, Brett Favre won Super Bowls with a completely torn biceps tendon, the long head of the biceps. So, yes, you can do great things. But last time I looked in the mirror, I don't look like George Clooney. I don't look like Brad Pitt. And I can't throw a football with the God's gift of John Elway and Brett Favre. So to use these guys, these guys, as an example for you don't need it because they want a Super Bowl is ridiculous. Because you ain't John Elway or Brett Favre, and neither am I. These guys are so good they can actually win. Kobe Bryant shot two free throws and made the free throws with a completely torn Achilles tendon. So you cannot... You can't be put in that category. So I'm here to tell you, Tom, your instincts as a mechanic are exactly correct. I don't want you to check your intelligence at the door whenever you're with a surgeon or a doctor. And they say something, you go, oh, he's the doctor. He must know better. No. You have an intelligence of why that piston ring is needed and why it's a certain thickness and why the spark plug gap has to be a certain amount. You deal with sophisticated issues, and I'm here to tell you, those very issues are what a neurologist, a vascular surgeon, an orthopedic surgeon, we are mechanics in that sense. I'm the son of a carpenter. I think of my father and what he did as a carpenter. Every day I go to the operating room, I hear his voice. Robbie, let the saw do the work. Most surgeons don't get to hear that in their head. I get to hear that. And I watch them use power tools in the operating room and push the power tool into the bone. And guess what happens? They shatter the bone. Oh, complication. No, they didn't have Abraham Clapper in their head going, let the saw do the work. You Clapper know what I mean? Vision. You. I was blessed to have a carpenter teach me how to use power tools. Most surgeons don't have that blessing. So you as an auto mechanic... I love what you do every day, and I appreciate what you do every day, and I appreciate your question. You're not challenging the surgeon, and if they get on their high horse and go, hey, you're a mechanic, be quiet, I'm the doctor, then I need you to do one thing. Pick yourself up and get the hell out of that office and go to a different surgeon. That's what I want you to do. Your question is totally right, and your instincts are correct. So guess what you need, in my opinion? You need a second opinion. And you know who I want you to see? You got a pencil? This is you're going to go see at Cedars. 
I do. His name is Michael Stone, like like the Rolling Stones. Michael Stone. You call him. When you call the office, tell him, hey, Dr. Clapper gave me Dr. Stone's number from the Weekend Warrior Show. He's at Cedars. He's a colleague of mine. I see him every Friday in the operating room. And I just, I'm doing my cases and I see him doing his cases. He is a world-class shoulder surgeon. If I needed shoulder surgery, I can't operate on myself. That's who's going to do it. That's who you need to go see. Forget about it. Your instincts are correct. All right? I should question this. Yeah, absolutely. And not only that, you better get another opinion. Now, you're calling me for my advice. I think you should take the advice. It's America. You don't have to. But if you're going to call and ask me what to do, then you better do what I tell you to do. Okay? Yes, sir. Thank you, doctor. Uh, Listen, Tom, you're a total stranger. Look what I just did for you. I want you to find a total stranger today. Do something nice for them. That's how you be thanking me. Okay? Sounds good. God bless you, young man. Appreciate all that you do. All right, Warriors, we'll take a break. Final segment. Wait till you hear what we're going to be doing next Saturday. Oh, my God. If you think today's topic was crazy, wait till you hear what I'm going to be doing next week. Let me tell you something. It involves Mike Trout and the George Washington Bridge. What do those two things have in common? That's what we're going to talk about. And I'm also, well, I'll take some more calls if they... If we have time. 877-710-ESPN. I'm so excited to see the Rams play tomorrow. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Holy emoji, Clapman. Weekend Warriors on Facebook. Holy slip disc. That's right, Robin. Hear listeners talk about their aches and pains. Holy hamstrings. Along with Doc's clapper vision. Breathe deeply. And advice to callers. On your toes, Robin. So like, follow, and enjoy. A wise decision. The Weekend Wear Facebook page. Frankly, I can think of nothing more stimulating. This is Keyshawn in the morning. My man, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show starts your Saturday morning. Join the Doc from 7 to 9 a.m. But don't miss my show. Monday morning on 710 ESPN. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. What? Who are you? What did you just say? Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. He's chiseled out of marble. He's got 48 chest and a 32-inch waist. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN. 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. What a treat to spend two hours each and every Saturday morning with you all for you to tell your friends and tell your family. Ten and a half years I'm on the radio. Can you imagine? What is an orthopedic surgeon doing on the radio? It's because my father used to listen to the radio and gave him such joy. And I almost feel like every Saturday morning, I get to think about my father in the car and being with him, listening to the radio, listening to the helicopter give the traffic reports and all the shows he used to listen to. And it made him smile. So that must be why I feel like I could do this, because I have absolutely no training whatsoever in doing this. But I can't say I don't know what I'm doing because after 10 and a half years, I think you get to you get to be good at it. And I've been very fortunate 
And thanks to Brian Croft at Cedars, who's making it all happen. Gordon Kolodny. It's a beautiful thing. And here at ESPN, the great Scott McCarthy for making it happen. And I give a lot of credit to Mike Thompson for saying, Doc, you'd be great on the radio if it wasn't for him. It's just a beautiful thing. The topics, fascinating, right? WaveChiHawaii.com. Check it out. Fascinating what Jack Gillen has done. His story is beautiful. And certainly you can listen to the podcast if you want to hear the interview on ESPN. The whole idea of your craft being an extension of you. And you know how much I love food. It's important to patronize family-run businesses. And Village Pizzeria in Larchmont is that. I've had calzones, and I don't need to mention all the other pizza places because I've been to all of them. Research, whatever you want to call it. But it's like an apple turnover, but without the apple. It's a pizza turnover. That's what a calzone is, and I've always grown up loving them. Whether you put pepperoni in there, the one with eggplant, the ricotta cheese is unbelievable how it melts. And they're crispy, and you dip it in that marinara sauce. Oh, my God, it's just the greatest. It's, it's like pizza on a whole nother level. So make it your business to go visit. Don't forget to get a meatball and some sauce while you're having your calzone, which is what I like to do. It's like when I have Simon at the Hawaiian place, the Garden Bowl, Gardena Bowl. I get a cheeseburger when I have the Simon. Well, I get a meatball and tomato sauce when I have a calzone. The hell yeah. Call me what you want, but that's the way I like to enjoy life. Let's talk about next week. Next week, we're going to be actually speaking of food. There's a hot dog in L.A. that comes from New Jersey, and it's called a Ripper because they deep fry it. When I thought about New Jersey, I thought about Mike Trout, and I thought about why does the George Washington Bridge, it's the most traveled bridge in the world. It's the busiest bridge in the world. But it is special because it was built by Otmar Amon. And it looks the way it looks because they were supposed to put granite on the outside. And they decided they couldn't and didn't. Well, I'll tell you that whole story. The story of New Jersey coming to L.A. in sports, in art, and in surgery. That'll be our topic next week. Until then, God bless you. And thanks for listening to The Weekend Warrior. And I'll see you on the radio. Nel cielo infinito Volare Cantare Weekend Warriors on Facebook. Didn't you get the memo? Quickly hear Clapper's crazy kitchen stories. Easily find different callers' aches and pain issues. Right, I get it. Search Weekend Warrior in the search bar and click on Doc's picture. Who are you again? Voila! Like, follow, and enjoy the Weekend Warrior Facebook page.